Hi, everyone, and thank you for listening to Piano Whisperer. On this podcast, we'll be exploring the surprisingly vast world of pianos and pianists. So please join us as we interview all kinds of interesting and talented people, as well as provide behind the scenes encounters with all things piano. And now, with our host and savvy piano guide, Ben Klinger. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning into Piano Whisperer. I am privileged to have with me today Dr. Indrek Lowell. Indrek Lowell is the president and owner of the Estonia Piano Company. Dr. Lowell earned his doctorate from the prestigious Juilliard School, received the Vladimir Horowitz Scholarship from Juilliard, and was named one of Juilliard's most notable 100 graduates of all time. His business success has been written in hundreds of publications and broadcast by Bloomberg News Network and Fox Business News. As a musician, Dr. Lau has won piano competitions and has been an adjudicator at international piano competitions. More than a quarter million CDs of his classical music recordings have been issued, the highest number for a pianist from Estonia. As president of the American Chamber of Commerce in Estonia, he was awarded the Medal of Honor and Glory of Estonia, presented by famous composer Arvo Part. He also was awarded the Presidential Medal by the President of the Republic of Estonia. Dr. Lowell's vision has resulted in Estonia Grand Pianos becoming among America's favorite European pianos today. Indrik, thank you for joining me. There's so much I want to discuss. Oh, thank you for having me, and thank you for such a wonderful introduction. I don't quite deserve it all, but <laughs> thank <laughs> well, you kindly. Yes. Oh, I think you do. So I always like to get a picture of what motivates people to begin their piano journeys in their early years. So can you tell us how your interest with the piano began? Uh, first of all, it was my parents. My mother was a chief accompanist at the Estonian Opera for more than 30 years, and my father was a choir conductor. He had the Estonian Boys Choir, and it was a mixed choir of young men and boys, and they did a lot of big classical works. And so having both parents as musicians, my uh, sister also played the piano, and so I was the youngest in the family, and I got inspired I have to say, especially when I was 13, my parents purchased a restored Estonian piano. That new sound and this piece that my mother played was so amazing that it opened a whole new world for me. And that was Chopin's etude number one, the first one, the C major. Hmm. Now... You excelled, from what I understand, fairly rapidly and uh, even were featured at an international youth piano competition. Eventually, you came to the U.S. actually to study at Juilliard. But during the Soviet era, when it was really hard to leave the Soviet Union, how were you able to arrange that? That was altogether a miracle. But uh, there was a wonderful Estonian professor, Arbo Waldma who was teaching at the Belgrade Music Academy. And so when he invited uh, to come to his master classes in Ohrid, after that he also invited to come and study with me. But it was all possible because Estonia as a country was becoming more and more independent and Soviet Union as such, more and more, was falling apart. 
I see. Okay. And at Juilliard, you had the opportunity to study with world-renowned pianist Peter Serkin. Is that right? Yes. And how was that, may I ask? The studying part was very interesting, but certainly there were all kinds of stories. First of all, uh, I listed him as my first choice, and when we called him from the Juilliard, one of those payphones at the time, and he said that, no, uh, I told I don't take more students. (laughs) Why are you calling me? And I said, I don't know. I was recommended to call, etc. And so here he said, let me call Juilliard. And after that, I called him back and he said, all right, come and play. And so when I went to his apartment, he taught only at home. He said, uh, so what are you going to play? I said, uh, how about some uh, Franz Liszt? He said, I don't teach Liszt. What else? <laughs> what a first experience. <laughs> and so that was uh, first. And thereafter, I played different music and he said, all right, well, let's continue. So interesting with... Uh, the Professor Serkin was that I had to bring a new composition to every lesson. And, well, you know, it's Juilliard. So you, I had to bring it to a good standard, good level, and very often memorized. So, for example, you have a lesson, and we had 24 preludes of Chopin. And thereafter, to what are you going to bring to next lesson, Beethoven, Sonata 111. And if that is done, why don't you bring to next lesson, Brahms' second piano concert? Wow. Yeah, that's pretty intense. So I had to go and work quite a bit to get such a program together. So Yeah. That sounds pretty intense. Well, that's a fun story. Now, you continue to excel in that, but as a young man already, you had begun to form a vision for bringing Estonia pianos to the U.S., something that hadn't been done before. Can you share what made you want to do that? First, I never forgot that impression when I was 13 and my parents got the grand piano. It was the Estonian grand piano, and somehow this grand opened all the colors. And when I mentioned that my mother played the Chopin's first etude, I still had a fever at the time. And, you know, you live in a Nordic country, and people here often have kind of colds and etc. So even despite the fever, I started to learn that piece. And when I was 17, 18, I played at concerts both Opus 10 and Opus 25, all 24 Chopin etudes. So this was the inspiration. And when I came to the U.S., I didn't see any Estonian pianos. So you start to miss that. And also, uh, I was looking for something what Frank Sinatra beautifully said, my way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, a lot of our U.S. listeners may not realize how rich, historical, and so forth the musical culture in Estonia is, even the singing culture. Can you talk about that a little bit? It's uh, wonderful that you're bringing it up because music and singing here in Estonia is a small country of 1.3 million people. It's almost on the borderline of religion. It unifies the country, and we have such song festivals, big ones, every five years, where you can get 25 to 30 singers at the same time to the stage. It's a huge cultural event, 
And interestingly enough, very often Estonian last names have a meaning. So Laul, my last name, means a song. And Laulma is singing. So when we have the singing Estonia piano, is the Laul Estonia on the plate there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting that, that especially the singing. See, my father had a boys' choir. It consisted of different choir levels, and final was the concert choir, which he had tours, etc. And I was also a boys' choir a boy there singing. So singing and all the vocal element is something that I closely grew up with. Besides my mother being the accompanist at the opera, she brought me to these rehearsals. And then there you hear these wonderful, amazing opera singers. So that's something that I was, and still I am, always seeking from the piano, the singing element. And I can hear that. I mean, the treble section on the Estonia pianos is so unique and beautiful. In fact, I had a very advanced pianist with me yesterday, and she is a bit of a piano snob, <laughs> snob I think. And she's, yeah. she plays at a very high level, but she played uh, the treble on that, and she was knocked out. And she also is a vocal accompanist, and she recognized that. Now, I read in an article that piano making in Estonia flourished in the late 1800s and early 1900s, and that at one point there were nearly 20 independent piano companies all in a country which at that time had fewer than a million people. But as I also understand it, there was one particular piano maker, and I may not be saying his name correctly here, uh, Ernst Hiss, who stood out. Can you talk about the importance of him? Yeah, thank you. And you said it beautifully. Yes, Ernst Hiss. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and Hiss was a, also a great piano tuner. And composer Sergei Rachmaninoff preferred his pianos to be tuned and voiced by Ernst Hees. And the same goes for the famous Russian singer Shalyapin. So Hees was himself as a great piano tuner, and when you work with such world-famous musicians, he was also into those sounds. And thank you for your good words to your piano, as you mentioned the singing element at the top. See, I believe it goes back even to Philip Emmanuel Bach, Johann Sebastian Bach's son, who said that one of the greatest challenges of this keyboard instrument is to make it sing, so that the tone for me doesn't just jump up and then quickly fall down, but it has a beautiful curve, a long sustain, and that the one note itself can have many shadows and colors. And now his himself, wasn't he a primary piano maker? He was, right? Wasn't he the Estonia piano maker for decades? Do I have that correct? Yes, he started the company. But I have to say also that we have added now three new piano models altogether. So uh, we have continued that tradition that was started in 1893. 
Yes, but you've taken it in a whole new way. From what I understand, and, and just tell me if I'm wrong. You can always correct me if I'm wrong. So after his passed away, it seems that piano making in Estonia declined for quite a while until you came along, actually. And I know you made literally hundreds of improvements to the pianos over the last 20 years. Can you give us an idea of how they've changed and what makes Estonia so special in your mind today? We hit on the singing tone and that may be it, but I'd love for you to share with the listeners some of the kinds of things you've taken into consideration, how you've just morphed this company in such a short time to what it is today. Oh, again, thank you for your very good words. I have to say, even at Juilliard School, I also thereafter studied with Professor Martin Cannon, and he was also very supportive to me and guiding to find your own way. And my way was, I was trying to make that Estonia piano like what Eiffel Tower is for Paris. Whenever you see an Eiffel Tower, you think of Paris and France. And actually, one day walking there in New York City, I saw such a collage of photos when the Eiffel Tower was built, different stages of it. And I purchased that and sent it to Estonia. And it has been hanging there at our factory, one of the main floors, for 25 years now. And what it means is that let's not just make pianos, but let's do something for the country and for the people and culture. That Estonia as a country cannot be just a 1.3 million of consumers. We have to have something that also we give back to the world. And I think we can be great in culture and especially in music. And what about making the piano to the level so that we can feel good that actually this is one of the more beautiful things from this country? That is a beautiful vision, Indirek. Oh, thank you. Do you think at all that that vision is a reaction to what happened under Soviet power? I read that when Stalin turned 70, for example, he required every Soviet republic to give him a gift. <laughs> And Estonia chose to give him a grand piano handmade by Ernst Hiss. So there was so much control at that time and obviously not so much independence. Do you think that this vision of yours stems from the oppression that existed for so, so long? The Soviets did so much damage to Estonia that it's almost impossible to give any credit for anything. And therefore, I think that they rather recognized the rich piano-making culture Estonia had and to use that for the Soviet musical scene. So the fact is that Estonia was pretty much the only grand piano-maker at the time. But also the quality declined because of the closeness of the society and all that. So again... When we started in America, our ratings were not as good, sure. But um, perhaps you can see there's an opportunity to do something, to make something great. And I have to say, it's not me alone, not at all. It is very much the teamwork here. We have had wonderful team of dealers in America. 
and elsewhere as well. So that I got the feedback that, hey, this is great, do this, and continue making improvements, etc. Yes, there were times we made 100 improvements per year. And so we, looking back, I think we left still 88 keys and three legs under the piano. But the rest we changed. Yeah, you sure did. And I've seen it because I was representing Estonia as early as 1996. And then I didn't come back around to Estonia because I'd left that dealership until 2013. And what a difference. And then even since then, they've become so musical. And one of the things that I found very interesting the last time that you and I chatted was the affordability factor relative to other European pianos that Estonia doesn't have a corporate tax per se which is awesome. That enables you to do this and get the pianos in regular people's homes, right? Yes. So you want to talk about that corporate tax thing? I think that's interesting. Yeah, and Estonia is one of those few countries who doesn't have a corporate income tax. As long as you keep the profits in the company, you don't pay tax on it. However, sure, if you take out as dividends, you pay a fair share of tax. But the tax system in this small country enables you, if you want to keep it in the company, as tax-free. And I think it's a great opportunity to keep the piano price where it's at. And second is we don't have the layers and layers of managers. We own our distribution company in America. So again, we don't have a separate distributor who adds all of the prices, as well as we don't have very expensive artist programs that we provide pianos to all touring pianists and we finance pianos to concert halls. So this all adds to the piano price. And that's savings to our customers that I hope they can see that. And your production levels, you've maintained keeping them so low so that you really can control these products and provide beautiful instruments. And you're striving to keep it that way, right? Thank you. Yes. See, we play every piano, every single instrument. We not only play, I work with the piano tuners so that I play through this piano and then we make some markings or they're right there and we tell them that, hey, We'd like to hear some more these colors or this tone jumps out or this bass needs some smoothing so that you feel great with the piano. And I feel that this is also very personal and unique, perhaps, that we, yeah, we play every piano. So in this long tradition of piano making, when great piano brands historically have taken generations to establish themselves. It's only taken you about 20 years. Um, Is there anything that you would like to share that we haven't covered? I'm very honored to work with the people here in Estonia that we have at the factory. They're craftsmen. And we also offer tours to either serious piano buyers or those who own our instruments so that they can see how dedicatedly people work to make a great piano. See, for me, it's like an orchestra. So if you're there, the conductor or piano soloist, you have to have great players. And that's what we have at the factory. 
So I'm very appreciative and I feel honored that we have this 40 people team there to work together. That's a small group if you think about it. Wow. And I agree with you that I think oftentimes the best technicians are also very great players because they understand what they're trying to get out of the instrument. And it is all about the music. I really appreciate that. Also, there is an art of making piano. And there is an art of voicing the instrument. See, many people perhaps confuse that, hey, I have my piano tuned. Tuning is even simple. These days, there are certain apps even you can acquire these onto your phone and just turn it and see whether the phone shows it's right or wrong. But voicing is needling the hammer. And when you work on this, that you create the most beautiful and wonderful piano tones and colors, that when you touch then the key and the energy flows from there to the hammer, from there to the string, and then it opens up like a flower. Wow, how beautiful was that one note? That's what I mean. And this is an art. Yeah, it is definitely an art. And then people don't recognize too, because they can't. It's like understanding what someone does to anything if you're not in the midst of that field. But then there's the whole hammer shaping and the string leveling and all of these things that go into creating the tone. And therefore, we need to see in our warranty list, and we mentioned that the piano tuner that our customers work with needs to be appointed by our dealer. It's an important sentence because we trust you that you know who are the great piano tuners who can understand that it's not only about the tuning, it's about beautiful voicing and regulating the instrument. Yeah, it's the overall experience. It, it really is. Overall experience. It's a tactile sensation, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yes, and there at Classic Pianos, you have wonderful technicians. We do, no doubt. Yeah, thank you for that. So how can people find out more about Estonia Pianos? Well, first of all, I do encourage to call Ben Klinger and make an appointment. <laughs> Well, this is, this is going worldwide. Pianos need to be seen. And you have to go to a local authorized Estonia piano representative. Pianos, need, it's not something you buy over the internet. But you hear those sounds. They touch you. They embrace you. They calm you down. They even influence, perhaps, the way you start thinking about it your own work, your life, and stress, etc. And from there on, sure, there are some wonderful videos here and there. We are working on newer videos and would like to present and surprise you with these pretty soon. But still, piano is not an electronic instrument. It's an acoustic. So going to the dealer and hearing the Stony piano, I'd like people to have that experience. It's something spiritual and even a soul-touching experience. And then you can come back and say, hey, I just simply fell in love with the sound. That's true. It needs to be something that you 
experience personally, absolutely. Even the name Estonia. See, I started to think of this, that S in Latin means there is, and tone is a tone. So Estonia means in Latin, the tone of old tones. That's pretty cool. That's getting back to the whole, it's amazing. It's getting back to the entire musical history they were talking about with Estonia in general. But also people who are going to be shy, who aren't going to want to come in, your website address? It's www.estoniapiano.com. Piano with no S, is that correct? Yes, yeah, piano. Great. Yes, estoniapiano.com. And there is a link, find a dealer. So if you just provide your zip code or where you are, we can send you back where you can find your local authorized Estonia piano dealer and call them up and make them an appointment so that they can prepare the instruments for your liking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, having that call in advance is super helpful so you can make sure. That, Isn't know, it? Yeah, yes. Definitely. It's a personal treatment because our pianos, they are handmade. They will last a lifetime. So make something beautiful and personal. Sometimes I tell parents, in fact, I just had a couple of days ago here in Estonia, a parent bought a piano for their children, and I said, do you know that this piano is going to be something your children will remember you of? Because a lot in our life will change. Technologies, these cars, even sofas, these might go and change. But piano, a hand-built great European piano, pretty much get outlast us. <laughs> For sure. And it will have a multi-generational impact, oftentimes affecting to two and three generations. Exactly. And your children will tell one day, they will tell their children that this is the piano my parents bought, et cetera, et cetera. And that's a whole another level of thing. And that's the kind of a piano we make. Yeah. I don't want to make a piano that people say, I'll play 10 years and maybe give up. Right. No, you want an heirloom. I, I... Yeah. Exactly. I understand that's the life-changing kind of purchase that we're striving for. Yes. Well, many, many thanks again for taking the time today to join me. And I also want to thank all of the listeners out there. I, I'm so grateful that you took the time to listen to Piano Whisperer. If you would like more information about Piano Whisperer, or if you would like to find our other podcasts, please visit pianowhisperer.org. These podcasts are also available on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So many, many thanks again to you, Indrik. I'm so thankful that you joined me. And thank you very, very much. I'm very glad and honored that I was invited here. And we had such a good, cozy atmosphere. You're very good at what you do, Ben. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm blushing. No one can see that on the air, but uh, I am. Well, thank you for that. And I look forward to chatting with you soon. And again, listeners, thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope you've been inspired to go deeper in your piano journey. To learn more about our podcast, please visit pianowhisper.org. Please rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcast.